Oh my God, show number 16, and I'm back here at Startup Founders. I had a two months break of the podcast for so many reasons, logistics, dealing with being an entrepreneur, launching projects, single dad, and also I was in Japan for three weeks backpacking with my kids. That I think is the most awesome excuse ever not to launch the podcast. But the good thing is that while I was away, I had some podcasts that I pre-recorded before I left, and today I had one of my favorite ones so far. Uh, today, my guest is Sean Greenhall. He is the a co-founder of TimeChi, and TimeChi is a cool gadget software hardware that is technically going to allow you to be more productive. In case that you don't know, I wrote a book a few months ago called The Lazy Bastard, and in The Lazy Bastard, I talk about this, about the importance of gamification when we're trying to be more productive, and in this case, Sean has potentially hacked the secret of productivity. Yes, I know, big words, using time cheese. So check it out, it's very, very simple. Um, I mean, He's going to explain how the gadget works, and if you haven't checked it out, go and find a Time Chi uh, online because it's a cool, cool little gadget that can actually bring tons of value to your company, to your productivity, and to your peace of mind. So yeah, welcome to show number 16. Here is Sean Greenhall. Okay, Sean. Thank you so much for being here, finally, okay? We have been speaking for a, for a while, and every time that I invite one founder uh, to the show, the first thing is I ask them to present themselves and tell the audience, um, who are you? Who's Sean? Well, uh, I guess, like, you know, hey, thanks very much. I'm glad to be talking to you without you having to um, hit my ass about not putting up enough content. That's one thing for sure, but um, yeah, so, my name is Sean Greenhold. I'm CEO and founder of Time Chi, a company that is creating a software and hardware solution to help you keep focus and get you to do more deep work so that you can make more of your time. Um, been working on this for about 18 months now. Uh, just went through the 10x accelerator, did our first kind of um, accelerator pitch, got a lot of interest from it, and um, I think we're onto something. Now we just need to make sure we ship and get it to as many people as we can. Man, that's awesome. And I'm actually, it's, it's interesting because I'm writing a book right now about uh, procrastination, about laziness, about the struggle that we face um, technically doing stuff. So before you tell us about the product, because the product is pretty unique, pretty kind of like fun, quirky, kind of cool and innovative. Before we talk about the product, tell me how did you come up with the whole idea of doing something that had to do with productivity? Yeah, well... When I uh, left my last startup, it was a company that went through um, the Murray program. I decided to take a couple of months off, um, basically just to try and recenter myself. Realized that I can't do that, couldn't sit still, decided to IoT enable my house. But when I was starting to like, put together like voice control and all these light bulbs and stuff like that so that it worked really nicely, I realized that uh, Late at night, when I used to go, Alexa, turn on the bathroom lights, my lovely wife punched me in the side of the head and told me to shut up. She was trying to sleep. So um, I kind of started a company that was initially going to do an IoT smart light switch, so something for smart homes and stuff like that. But I realized that when I was starting this company, I was spending so much time procrastinating, so much time arguing on Sydney startups. When somebody on the internet was wrong, I was like, oh, my God. Got to tell them that they're wrong. And I realized that, hey, hang on a second. 
this is my own money I'm playing with. So like every time I do something silly, every time I procrastinate, it's my own dollars on the line. So I started to go back into a time and productivity method that uh, I did back in my uni days to help me keep super hyper-focused called the Pomodoro method. So it was uh, 25 minutes of focused work, five minutes of break. 25 or 21? It's 25, 25. right? Yeah, 25 is the, the original one. So I started doing that one, but made it in a kind of like electronic form using the same sort of hardware that I was using for the smart light switch that we had already developed. But I realized, hey, we can supercharge this to kind of like, rather than just act as a timer, we can connect it to an app on your phone and on your computer so that when you're trying to do deep work, it actually shuts down all of your distractions, stops you from you know, getting interrupted by things like Slack, Facebook. Oh, I didn't know that part. Okay, so, so before we, we, we go further with the tool, let's give a quick overview to someone that is out there um, that has no idea what the Pomodoro technique is, right? So the Pomodoro technique, let's see if we agree here is you're going to be doing one task and one task only. I think that's the important part, right? So you're going to be writing, let's Absolutely. say, a one blog post, and that is the only focus of your life for 25 minutes, right? Absolutely. I think like, it's, it's kind of two parts to it. So part of it is breaking up your day into blocks of focus and blocks of, blocks of break. And then you do typically four of these. So when you do the 25 minutes of focus, five minutes of break, four of them, and then you take a long break. So it's a mixture between choosing one topic for one of your focus periods, but also remember to take a, enough breaks so that it kind of like helps your productivity, maintains your energy, as well as um, it's been scientifically proven when you do like methods like this, it actually helps your creativity, which as an engineer, if you're trying to like write content, things like that is of height that's really necessary. Yeah, so actually this is based on, on the Parkinson law that mentioned, I mean, it's, it's all about work expands uh, so as to fill the time available for its completion. So in, in a kind of way, it's like, if you only have 25 minutes to write a blog post, magic, magic, it ends up technically, I mean, happening, okay? Because you only have 25 minutes. So like when you have to send your tax, that you yeah. end up sending it usually in the last minute. Uh, okay, so uh, also the important point to understand, I mean, in this rule of the Pomodoro is that you're not allowed to continue after 25 minutes, right? So that's why you say that you have yeah. those. Exactly. So, I mean, when I do Pomodoros, usually I say, okay, I have to be doing... This, this work will take you three Pomodoros or two Pomodoros. You almost like negotiate with this measuring of time, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So, so you saw the Pomodoro technique, it worked for you. And then, I mean, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, the problem with Pomodoro technique without your tool. I mean, because if I'm going to be working on the computer, I still have YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, all these black holes of productivity that are going to, I mean, steal, steal my time and drive me away from the task. So how does your tool changes that? Yeah, well, one of the things that we, when we started like looking deeper and deeper into the research side of things, because lots of this has been like scientifically proven and like even some of them have kind of like offshoot pieces of research about like the way that people work, especially in offices. Um, there was a great book uh, called Deep Work by um, Cal Newport, I think it was which uh, talks about like people's attention and like, you know, the idea that people are terrible at multitasking. In fact, what people do is they do task switching. So they switch from one task to another. And when they switch between task to task, there's typically on average about a one minute task switching debt that they go from like, hey, I'm changing to this task to that task. 
just the ability to kind of like get onto that task takes at least one minute of your like time to change it over. But what's even worse is if that task is something like you're trying to write out, let's say your blog post and an email comes in, you, you click to check your email and then it's something that you go, oh, I have to deal with this one later. It actually leaves an imprint of that other task, the undone task, so that you never actually get back into like, you know, deep focus and into 100% efficiency when you're trying to do the task that you originally went to. So not only does it take away about two minutes each way, but it means that you're only going to be like maybe about 75, if not even 50%, like as efficient on the original task. Wow. Okay. Got it. Okay. So, I mean, and so by, by having this tool, obviously there's, there's other factors that are going to help us here. I mean, first of all is, can you describe the tool itself? Because I think that's the coolest part and the reason why I initially was, I mean, I tried to what you were doing is the gadget itself. So can you please describe for people that are listening to this on a podcast, what exactly is the hardware itself? Yeah. So it's a small kind of like, it looks like a bright colored button, kind of like a game show buzzer. Um, part of the design that we did on this one is like, because we try and take the screen away from your mobile phone, because if you had an app on your mobile phone, which was what I was doing like previously, the fact is that not only do you only ever use a couple of apps on your phone and you kind of like tend to forget about it in the background, but actually going into your phone, you tend to have to see all of your like outstanding notifications and everything that would distract you is there. Uh, I think the best way to describe it is um, we had to take it away from that one because you didn't want to put the drug in front of the addict by keeping the app on the phone. So we started to build kind of like into the physical realm, like a device that you not only have that's on your desk, it's pretty, it's always ready to use. But the fact is that because it's like a big game show buzzer, you get a little bit of like an endorphin rush, a little bit of a, a good feeling when you press 100%, the hundred percent, yeah. Okay, it's, you, you, you're trying to beat yourself. I mean, a kind of way, right? I mean, in a, in a, in a strange Absolutely. way. Yeah, so okay. like, You know, part of kind of like good habit building is like, you know, not only do you have the mental thought that I've got to do something, but you're now relating it to physical action of actually starting the device. And that physical action, not only does it create two points of reference in your brain, which is like a really powerful thing about creating habits, but the fact that the way that you do it is very important because it makes it feel a little bit fun. It gives you kind of like that, that sensation that, yes, I'm activating something, I'm doing something when you press the button. So what, when you hit the button, it starts a red ring, which acts as a timer. So it starts counting down your- Exactly like a game, minutes. right? <laughs> Absolutely, exactly like a game. So it's kind of like mentally gamifying things without even you realizing it. Completely. Nice thing, but the nice thing about it is because it's a bright red device that st starts counting down, not only does it keep you to your timing, but with a move for everyone in open plan workspaces, it ends up acting as a traffic light to everybody else. So not only does it keep you in focus, but it also gently indicates to everybody else. Oh my yeah. God, I never thought of that. <laughs> well, it, uh, honestly, it was something that kind of like came perfectly serendipitously. It was, a, it was an accident. So when I had the first rudimentary version on my desk and it was counting down in red, somebody mm. behind me went like, hey, Sean, oh, I'll come back later. And we kind of like went, hey, what happened there? Ah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So like, like, leave me alone. Like, yeah. I mean, because that happens in offices all the time, right? The difficulty of, of, I want to work, but people are annoying me constantly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is like, you know, when we started looking into this one, we had a chat to a couple of uh, 
big companies and like, you know, try to find out what, um, what they did to overcome this because everybody's moving to open plan workspaces. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of research saying how terrible they are for being able to do deep work. So in lots of employee handbooks, they say, put on headphones because headphones become a de facto indicator that you're not to be bothered. Okay. The problem not, with that one is very social. Okay. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the issue with that one is the fact that when you wear headphones, you could be wearing it for five minutes or five hours. So the whole idea of an open plan workspace is it's supposed to help increase collaboration and communication so that, you know, you're next to people, you can collaborate, you can ask them questions. I think it was, uh, the founder of um, Twitter, who used to say, like, you know, the serendipity of, uh, of being able to have these ad hoc um, conversations and stuff like that. But if you have headphones on for a long period of time, people either do one of two things. They either don't talk to you, so it kind of like, you know, breaks the whole collaboration aspect of it, or they say, hey, I don't know, you could be wearing those for the whole day. I've got a question to ask, so I might as well ask you now. And then they interrupt you. So it means that either way, it kind of like breaks the whole idea of why you need to be wearing headphones. So with our device, because we kind of like give you periods of time of work and then you have your break and the break time is the time when you can actually have chats to people. It means it kind of gives the deep work, but also gives the point where people can happily approach you so that it kind of like becomes a, like a traffic light, you know, your stop and your go to be approached, which helps really well with kind of like getting the task done, but not destroying the collaboration. I love it. For people that are listening to this, and I mean, they, they relate to what you're talking about. I mean, the, the first thing I want to understand a little bit is, what do you define by deep work? I mean, and this is something that I think people kind of know, but don't really understand properly. Yeah, so the idea of deep work is kind of like a period of time when you can get really deep into your work. So like, you know, kind of how the name comes from. So it means that, you know, your efficiency is highest. You're actually focused at the task at hand. There's nothing outside, nothing external that's interrupting you so that you actually have that time just to be constantly and looking deeply into the task. So when you start saying things like, shallow work is kind of like the opposite, which people tend to do. It's because they're trying to do one task that should take them like one hour of their time, but ends up taking the whole day because every single time they start to try and get into writing it, they lose the ability to remember what task they're on. They lose the ability or the trend of thought about like, you know, what they were going to write. For me as a engineer, it's like trying to remember things like, oh, what was the name of that variable? What's going on here? What's going on there? So you really need to kind of like deeply think about the task at hand. And when you get interrupted, that all disappears. It goes poof into thin air. And that kind of like destroys your ability to do any deep focus. Well, you see, it's, it's crazy because, I mean, technically right now I'm recording this. I have a, a recording studio at home. Um, the room is soundproof. I, I put headphones. I use something called Brain FM. I, I still don't have your device, but I will have it eventually. I use Pomodoro Technique. And I believe that I'm a very productive person, but I still suffer productivity challenges. And I got hired by, by freelancer.com uh, last year, and they used to fly me to, to Sydney to work for, for two days. And my productivity levels in Sydney were 10 times worse than they are at home because the amount of people, right? The amount of noise, I mean, everything's happening around. And I was wondering, oh my God, this is the way that startups in Australia work, I'm surrounded by this mess. 
in the corner. Freelancer is very like a, like a Google kind of, I mean, office. So it's people playing Xbox, people have a ping pong table and you start wondering, are these people really working, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. what's the level of productivity here? And especially because I think it's unfair for people because some people really need to focus on something where other people potentially don't really need to focus so much on different tasks. And your device mixes both of them. So I love the hardware part. Let's talk about the software of how does that, I mean, I get the gadget, I press it on, start the timer, I feel like in a game, I have to do my tasks, I have to do my blog post. Tell me what's happening technically after I press the browser. Yeah, so one of the things that we initially did like in the early days when we were trying to figure out how to make the device itself is how to make sure that it's always ready and can connect to multiple devices. So we kind of like thought about, hey, does it need to be Bluetooth, does it need to be Wi-Fi, things like that. And we realized that with Bluetooth, it's um, not exactly the best of standards because quite often you have to fiddle around making sure things are paired and stuff like that. And typically you can only connect to one device at a time with Bluetooth. So we ended up deciding, hey, instead of this, what we're gonna do is we're gonna make it a Wi-Fi connected device because that can remain as always on and always connected. So in order to get that working, we ended up creating a cloud platform to kind of like receive the information coming straight from the device itself. So when you've started, when you've broken it, if you've decided to pause it midway through, if you've uh, you know, not actually ended it when you're supposed to, in other words, you're actually a little bit naughty and kind of like went over your 25 minutes. Um, so what we did is we created a cloud platform that then allows you to connect that to all of your different devices. So you've got an unlimited amount of devices that you can connect to, whether it's your phone, tablet, laptop, multiple computers, things like that. And uh, that meant that we could actually start to be able to create settings so that if you wanted for your computer, you wanted to block yourself on um, Facebook, if you wanted to block yourself from going to YouTube, things like that. It gave you kind of like a website that you could go to to set all of your settings for what you wanted to happen during your focus period. But even better on top of that, we realized that um, there's quite a big move towards the quantified self. People who like to measure how and when they've done things for themselves so that they can actually try and improve. It's definitely one of the things about training. And we wanted to try and help people train themselves to be able to be better at doing deep work and being able to do deep focus. So we kind of created a little bit of a platform in the background that allows you to see the statistics of when you started a focus period, if you've paused it, if you've managed to complete a full cycle, if you've managed to do all of them together, find out how often you get interrupted, how often you actually do them, things like that, so that you become, it becomes a little bit, it makes clear what used to be kind of like slightly opaque to yourself. So it becomes almost like a Fitbit for your own personal productivity. And I think that's one of the more powerful things that we do. We actually give you a visualized way to see how well you've been working so that if you want to try and improve how well you work, you can turn around and do it that way. But on top of that, we also have a, um, we're working on the ability to be able to do things like um, task lists so that you can actually assign one task to how long it took you and how many cycles so that you can start to see how long certain things have become for yourself. So that when you're trying to plan in the future, how long your task will take, you get slightly better at that one. And then on top of that one, we've had quite a few requests from people like um, accountants and lawyers who want to be able to relate that back to billing so that when they're, as well as doing things in a focused way, 
they actually managed to say, hey, this took me X amount of cycles, therefore I'm going to build this client. Oh, wow, that's, that's a complete new economy, right? It's like, I'm going to charge you for four cycles. That's very interesting. Exactly. Yeah, and one of the big things that we've actually done lately, especially for, uh, which was another big um, request for us, was that people wanted us to integrate with, for a Slack because everybody tends, well, not everybody, but it's possibly the most uh, popular kind of um, instant messenger for, for business. So what we've done is not only do we put you on do not disturb on Slack, but uh, if you work in a big office or work in a multi-level office, it actually tells them that you're busy and when you're gonna finish your focus cycle so that you don't end up going all the way across the other side of the office just to see that somebody's busy. Something which, you know, if somebody's wearing headphones or something like that, but you know, you'd end up wasting your time just trying to approach that person and not knowing if you could actually chat to them or not. It's very interesting how, I mean, until now, you're, you're trying to, to fix a problem that is universal, right? And is the problem that, I mean, we have so many tools where we're trying to be productive, but there's no way for us to even identify if people are trying to be productive or not in a specific time. So I, I love this because I truly believe that productivity is like the new Scientology. Like everyone is trying to get better and better and we're trying different things. I want to talk about your path doing this because it hasn't been easy. And not only you embark in something that is software, but it's also hardware. So oh, you, yeah. go, you yeah. come, I mean, you're an engineer, so you are the guy thinking about how the hell I'm going to build this. Tell me a little bit about the whole concept of where do you start to build a gadget? Because I mean, when I see your thing, your thing is, 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 a, is a gadget, right? It's something I want to Absolutely. buy and play with. So where do you start with the whole, hey, this is, sounds like a good idea. Let's build this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I guess, one of the old adages that we constantly fight, not only internally, but have to explain to other people is when people say hardware is hard, which is absolutely true. Like, um, you know, it's, it's much easier to like create a piece of software and to iterate on it and to like, you know, change things and to test it. Not only is it faster to be able to distribute, but it's, it's also significantly cheaper because you don't actually have to make any hardware for it. But when we were developing this device, we started doing a lot of research into like the different apps and the way that the life cycle works for lots of productivity things. One of the biggest ones that we saw was a, um, an application which is kind of a Pomodoro timer, which is called Forest. It was incredibly popular for one period of time. But the thing is that like, you know, it had a massive spike in downloads and people using it and then people just stopped using it. And we realized after doing a lot of research with people that part of the reason why is because unless it's like an app, like, you know, your Facebook app, which is super tuned to kind of like, you know, keep your attention on the social side of things, most app apps on your phone tend to kind of like, you know, have one peak and then die out. And that was one of the biggest things that we had to overcome. And when we were talking to a lot of people who are not only in open plan workspaces, but people who had traditionally done the Pomodoro method, is that they all agreed that there needs to be a physical aspect to it. So that it's always ready, always there, and that it kind of like reminded them and gave them that endorphin rush when, it, um, when they actually used it. So that was the first point when we started looking into the hardware device. Secondly, we kind of like, when we discovered the serendipitously the um, traffic light effect, we realized that, hey, this isn't something that we could easily recreate on a phone or on any device, because if you wanted to put something on your screen that said like, hey, I'm busy, 
there's kind of like this social stigma about like, you know, screen peeking. When somebody looks at what's on your mobile phone or what's on your screen, kind of like find out what you're doing. So we realized that it needed to be a device that kind of like acted as a second screen to everything outside of this. So that it ended up being a, um, a device that people inherently knew what it was for and used it more often. But along the, this, this path, we had uh, quite a lot of uh, interesting times, but part of what I did to try and make things a little bit easier on the hardware aspect of it is I realized that there were a lot of hardware startups or people who had hardware and software companies in Sydney and in Australia that literally had not spoken to each other or didn't know each other existed. And I was a big fan of uh, Brad Feld's book, um, Startup Communities, that kind of like talked about part of the reason that startups became so big and so popular was the creation of tools and the creation of communities around um, what could happen. So in the path, we uh, started a, um, a community called, well, we call it OzHard, but it's technically the Australian hardware startups community. So like we're, now we're about 600 plus members strong. And we all share knowledge about getting things made, getting things done. Manufacturers in China, even uh, just the other day, found out like you know how to get discounts on like shipping from DHL and FedEx and things like that. So that's kind of like lowered the bar of entry and made things a lot easier to be a hardware startup. But clearly, you didn't choose the easiest path. I mean, if you were if you were asking someone for advice, usually the first thing people tell you is like, do the software and the gets traction, get the hardware. But I guess because the hardware makes it completely different, right? Makes it, I mean, the novelty. And obviously the investment is different, right? Because you need to produce these items, these gadgets, these, uh, these productivity, yeah. um, I mean, little weapons. So let's, let's talk about how do you, I mean, did you, did you fund these and how do you, trial and error this product before it's ready? Because you're trying to do um, a bit of a kickstart, I mean, I mean pre-launch system. Tell us a little bit about the path that you have followed uh, to get momentum. Yeah, so um, working in uh, open plan spaces and co-working spaces, um, in the early days when we were first kind of like coming up with designs and stuff, we ended up using a lot of kind of like prototyping via 3D printers, so much so that we ended up building 3D printers and ended up selling parts for 3D printers from like research that we did internally. This kind of like allowed us to come up with a design, test the design and like roll it out quite quickly to like a small group of test participants within the space that we were with. Apart from that, like the hardware itself, we kind of designed it in such a way that the core part of the device is completely software updatable and it's pretty generic. So it means that not only and we roll out features, we can actually make lots of changes to the software and the device itself. So lots of the way that you interact with it, we can actually change quite rapidly and uh, get it out quite quickly. But um, one of the things we did realize is that people kept on asking us like, you know, when they could buy it, when they could buy it. So we decided to, as a little bit of a, um, just getting a little bit of funding and a little bit of traction to like, you know, prove that the idea actually has some um, has bite and how is actually necessary in the market. So we did start a, um, a mini kind of crowdfunding campaign, a pre-sales, pre as you will, um, directly through our website. And um, quite quickly, we ended up uh, getting 50 customers, which was our um, our point that we said, like, okay, 
let's try and sell 50 of them. So it's enough that we can actually send out beta units to them because the beta units almost come at a, uh, a cost neutral point. So we kind of like decided, hey, we've got to send some of these out so that we have real paying customers that we can learn from. And at least if we've got real paying customers that we can learn from, they're not going to be totally nice about things and go like, yeah, this seems really nice if we actually sent them a free device. So part of the testing process is make somebody pay for it and get real feedback from them because they have inherent value in paying for the device itself. So that's what we did. But um, apart from that, prior to this one, like, you know, some savings and stuff that I had from a previous business, I kind of created a, let's call it a four hour work week business because it was a sand repellent beach blanket that I brought in from the Philippines, something I found during my honeymoon and uh, put it into a third party logistics warehouse, um, created a website and all the interactions so that when somebody bought it on the website, paid by a credit card, it got dispatched uh, directly from the uh, warehouse. So I, I just did a little bit of customer service and every summer it tends to sell quite well. So I had a few savings and a little bit of a, that autonomous business, which helped fund this one. Also put my savings in and a couple of uh, things from the MVP grant from the government helped us as well. And um, the investment from UNSW when we got into the 10X program. But as of date, uh, we've only had one external um, investor who invested a small amount. But uh, and except for that, we've basically been bootstrapped the whole way. Wow, that's, that, I mean, that, that is, I mean, inspirational and also very brave because clearly you're trying to to change the way that we are working and by introducing something completely different very cool uh but i guess this also an educational path right because i don't think people realize the roi of having a product like yours because if you can actually work better you can actually be more focused you'll be able to do things faster have more time i mean free and obviously be more profitable make more money so yeah. let's talk a little bit about the educational path with this product, because how difficult has it been for you to go from, look at this, this is dead serious, can actually help your productivity versus people saying, oh, yes, it's, it's a nice little gadget and don't take it, I mean, the level that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually something that uh, talked to a couple of people where things that they actually said, they said, oh, this is a niche product and it'll always be a niche product. It was kind of like, you know, uh, very much a disheartening thing, but also kind of showed that they didn't have the depth of knowledge to kind of like figure out why is this one important? And like, you know, how could it be important? And part of it is just looking at how much companies spend every year, like, you know, on kind of keeping company culture. Um, in the US, we found a piece of research that said uh, $1 trillion is wasted every year just from people who, uh, from interruptions in business. So on the business side of things, it costs people a lot of money. But on the personal side of things, it's like people who, so it's, it's really interesting to see how people are working nowadays. People come up to me and say, oh yeah, I get my work done when everybody else leaves the office. So that means that they're spending time outside of their normal work hours to get their normal work done. And that's just such a big sign that things are broken. People are telling me that, oh, I like to work from home because it means it's the only quiet place where I can actually get work done. But on that side of things, remote work is great, but 
But at the same time, then you have to start putting in all these safeguards and all these methods to be able to keep the communication and collaboration together when people are working remote. But my favorite thing that I've seen recently is that people have been putting in phone booths into offices. Now, the phone booths in offices are a brilliant thing if you want a quiet space to be able to make a phone call. But at the same time, going there to try and get some quiet space to be able to do your work shows that something is significantly broken. It shows that people are going away from their desk, the place they're supposed to sit down and get their work done, to actually get work done. So all these things just show that, you know, people are spending too much time trying to get their work done rather than just being able to do the task at hand. And a lot of that comes down to just a few little tweaks, a few little things about the way that they use their time and the way that they spend their time and the way that people treat them while they're trying to do their work. And all you need to do is change those things ever so slightly. And we think we have got the device to help them change that. And once you can do that, then you can get a significant amount of time back so that you don't have to stay at home like trying to get your work done. You don't have to come in early or late to get your work done. You don't have to spend the money to create an extra quiet space for people to do work because they can do it at their desk. All of these things put together help not only people who own companies, but also people who work in the companies too. Uh, that's so crazy. There's um, there's uh, Jason Fry, the the CEO of Thirty Seven Signals, has um, a conference in TED says why work doesn't happen at work. That yeah. is very he's very interesting. He also has a book called Rework. Uh, but yeah, th that that whole point of people trying to escape and find a little corner where they can freaking finally do something. And I used to have this joke that the most productive time for me was flying to Europe, okay? Because when I'm in the plane, there's no one can interrupt me and I can actually yeah. write nonstop. It's, it's fascinating how we now struggle to be able to even produce some work. Recently, you went to the US and do the whole thing. I mean, talking about the product, Tell me about the experience of, of coming up with the idea to now, right now, you're finally telling the world about the product. Yeah, so it was really interesting going to the US because considering that we always thought that the first people who would be uh, the users of our product are engineers within Silicon Valley, you know, ones who have like such a high cost per headcount and people who kind of inherently have this, um, I want to achieve, I want to get my work done, I want to do better than everybody else. And it was something that we, we saw quite strongly. Like we went to uh, visit Box in the US and you know, had, had chats with them, kind of introduced our product to them. And they were like, wow, that's amazing. Because they are a company that's post IPO, spent a lot of money doing up their office. And they realized that they had to put in these kind of like quiet workspaces that were constantly booked by people to kind of like get their work done. We we're also talking to people who like, you know, who Bootstrap founded uh, Startup Grind, the community. I um, met with them and he was talking about how great this device would be not for his work, but to kind of like create quiet space and time with him and his kids when he got home. And it's like, just introducing this idea to people. Oh, wow. Had, so so re re reverting it more or less. Okay. Absolutely. And not only that, we spoke to people who are kind of like, you know, doing things in uh, Japan quite heavily. And suddenly we realized that in Japan, they almost have the opposite problem of like most other countries in the world where they will focus and focus and focus until the point that they totally fatigue themselves. They, and they almost died. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Not almost. Sadly, there's a, there's a term in Japanese, which is working yourself to death. And it's, it's quite a literal term. 
So it's like when we started introducing this idea of like the time key device and telling them how it works and stuff, they said this would be really great in Japan to remind them to take their breaks and to kind of like, you know, create a cultural shift on the opposite direction so that they manage to have a little bit more of a holistic approach between kind of like how they spend their work and how they spend breaks. So it, it, when we start introducing this one, it, the, the best thing that we notice is like, you know, it kind of like gets people's minds running about like, what could this mean to me? What could I do? How could this help me? What, like, you know, how does this fit in my life? And it's, it's not really changing. Like what we're actually doing is a product offering. It's just how they're using it in different ways, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, where I'm actually heading back to the US um, next month because we had a few initial talks with you know, some companies who wanted to trial it out there. And uh, hopefully we're gonna kind of like lock that stuff down because one of the biggest things is we kind of like wanna not only get it into companies, but see how different companies work so that we can help further improve our products so that we can kind of like create that, that economy of people who are being able to deep focus, leave work on time and have kind of like a more holistic balance between like both their work and life. Something which people keep on talking about, but never really happens. It's very interesting because I think until now, there's no ways for, for companies even to understand when their employees are being more productive, right? I mean, there's no way for them to understand um, I mean, I, I tried to actually communicate that when I was working um, for, for corporations is like, hey, from an ROI point of view, there's no point of me being here costing more money to your company versus me being able to be on Starbucks. I mean, doing the thing I'm supposed to do, right? It's almost like, um, like if I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be done, why not invest all the money to guarantee that I have that environment? Tell me based on what you have learned or what makes people productive. I mean, that's a golden question is for people that are testing these, what makes people productive versus people that technically get nothing done? I mean, you are an engineer, you're a coder, you are, I mean, you need to get focused. What's the difference between you and the people that are literally struggling? Yeah, one of the biggest things is when people need to kind of like focus, the first thing that people need to do is plan. It's something which people like, you know, it's, it's rare. So having kind of like a list of things that you need to do broken down into its constituent parts. So kind of like a work breakdown structure. Internally, we use kind of a Kanban board where like literally every task is a small post-it note that we put on a wall. And that is the very first point that kind of like becomes achievable tasks. Because one of the things that I've noticed, and this comes from a lot of like, you know, questioning, quizzing, user research, is the fact that when people see a giant daunting task in front of them that they don't even know where to start and they try to start that task they tend to procrastinate more than ever because they go i don't know what to do therefore i'm going to try and figure something out the other thing is that when you start your task you've got to really focus that's that's the thing that where we come in very strongly so being able to focus on one single task and try and like throw out all your distractions allows you not only to be able to complete that task to a high quality, but it actually gets you to do it faster. Um, just the other day, uh, on actually Friday, uh, I don't know when this is going to go out, but we are doing our R&D tax incentive, um, our work breakdown structure, uh, whatever it's called, the project. Um, I don't even know what it's called. It's, it's basically a thing about like, you know, what our R&D was. And okay. I realized that when I was using it, I managed to get the whole thing done in about two hours worth of work. 
And that was solely because I was kind of like, you know, managed to spend like 25 minutes focused on it. Took a short break, walked around, got myself a glass of water, did another 30 minutes, did another 30 minutes, did another 30 minutes. And then like, you know, that managed to get the whole task done quite quickly in like one full four cycles. And I know that if I wasn't doing that, I'd probably be on Facebook. I'd probably be doing all sorts of different things, which would make mean that this one task that should have taken two hours would have taken the whole day. And that's part of like, you know, managing to kind of like break things down into smaller constituent parts. But one of the things that I kind of like noticed, uh, especially about people who kind of care about their work, and this is like a very big one kind of on a, or a psychological level, is the fact that the same people who either consider themselves or who are high performers, they tend to try harder to get tasks done and they want to improve themselves. Typically it's because they love their job. Sometimes it's because they want to excel past others. But when people are being interrupted and not managing to complete their tasks, these high performers tend to get exceptionally depressed and sad because when a high performer can't perform at their highest, they tend to look into themselves and blame themselves for it. And then it just becomes a huge negative cycle where, oh, I'm not working as hard as I could. I should be working harder. And then that kind of mindset in themselves ends up like, you know, circling the drain and then they get worse and worse at it. So part of that one is kind of managing to make sure that you balance the way that you're working, manage to achieve your tasks and feel good about yourself because that's the only way that you can kind of like propel yourself through those down times when you're like feeling like you're not doing as well as you could. I think one of the things that I like the most about the idea of Pomodoro is the, the dopamine effect, right? Is when we are achieving to finish one cycle is success, right? It's like, hey, we made it because it's a game. Absolutely. And your brain gets hooked on that dopamine. I was going to mention something interesting that I researched on my book and is about those mega tasks. And one of the things that have been discovered is that your brain uh, job is to protect you from disappointment. Yeah. So in many cases, it's easier for you not to do the task because your brain goes, hey, what's the point? You're going to fail anyway. Uh, let's, let's go on and, and, and spend time on YouTube or playing Xbox versus trying the task because what's the point? You're going to fail anyway, so don't even try in yeah. the first place. That is remarkable, right? How our brain is our biggest enemy when we're trying to achieve stuff. Absolutely. I mean, uh, during our research, we managed to find like a statistic when people were um, – interviewed about like, you know, the way that they work. It was uh, people who were interviewed who managed to block out all interruptions during the work day were 44% more likely to say that today was a really successful day. Wow. That, 44%. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So it means like, you know, 44% more managed to. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like going home at the end of the day and feeling like you've succeeded in achieving something makes you feel better and makes you come back the next day. makes you feel that you can succeed again that day. And that's part of like, even if you haven't completed the task, completing a certain number of Pomodoros gives you a little bit of that dopamine rush to kind of like go, I'm going to be able to achieve this. I'm going to be able to continue. And so much of kind of like the way that people work is all about mindset. Like, you know, it's exactly as you said, if people are like, oh, I'm never going to achieve this task then you're never going to achieve this task because you end up working against yourself. And that's kind of like something you need to fight against. 
It's, it's, it's funny because I'm, right now I'm, I'm working on, on, some, on these mini books at the moment, collection of mini books. I have these notes and I want to write a book uh, called the anti-Gary V, okay? The anti-Gary <laughs> Varney shot. Because I think the whole idea of the productivity porn, right? It's like do more, do more, do more, do more. Leave us constantly disappointed with the way that we're performing because we technically have no way to measure if one day was good enough because our to-do list is always getting, I mean, longer and longer and longer. And we don't end up finding that level of success or satisfaction. And everyone feels that they're not good enough, but using a measuring tool that is also, I mean, fun, the success rate is going to be there and we're going to feel better about ourselves that I think is so important for entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, and it's like, it turns work from like being kind of like work in your mind to almost like a hobby. Because it's like, not only are you measuring it, but it's kind of like, you know, people go for a run. And like when they go for a run, they time themselves. And when they will time themselves so that they can try and improve on their time. This is doing the same thing, giving the same endorphin rush to you, being able to achieve your tasks and being able to kind of like, you know, be more successful at what you're doing. So it kind of like builds in this human psyche about like, you know, I'm doing one thing and measuring it. And then I want to try and do it better and then better and then better. And when you start to do that, it changes around your whole psyche and the way that you like approach things. And it makes you feel much better about it, which then in turn means that you do it again and make it better again. And that, that whole kind of like, you know, positive flow cycle is what's going to like, you know, not only help you achieve things, but it's kind of, it is very anti kind of like, you don't need to push your nose to the grindstone until the point that you collapse in a very kind of like, you know, hustle porn sort of way. It means you just do things that you're doing and try and improve yourself a little bit each time because like, you know, it's the same thing as when you're doing exercise, you don't go and try and like, you know, bench press like the heaviest weight straight away. You work up to it. And it's like being able to kind of like find out those measuring points to work up to your goal is the important thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And also is the whole idea of practice, right? I mean, the first thing yeah. you said, you're not going to be as, um, as effective as, um, as someone else has been using the tool over and over. And also your brain understands, hey, from now on, every time I press this button, I mean, the game starts and therefore I have to have my game on and I only have 25 minutes. And it's not such a big deal to do 25 minutes of, of work. I think that we don't realize how much can we actually achieve in 25 freaking minutes if we were just doing the work, right? Versus 25 Absolutely. minutes with Instagram, I mean, engaging. It's pretty funny. I, I wrote on my book something that I heard the other day that was fascinating, and it was, um, someone mentioned, do you think that Michael Jordan is commenting on Facebook groups, okay? <laughs> what do you think winners are doing right now? Clearly, they're not engaging, okay, in Facebook groups, okay? They're actually doing the work. And if we just stop mocking around doing the things that we think are important and we just do the work, I mean, magical things are going to happen. And hopefully it's 25 minutes of just working and not messing around in social media. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's that saying that people go like, oh, if you want to find the best person for the job, find the busiest person that has no time to do it. <laughs> because they're yeah, spending yeah, their time exactly. actually doing it themselves. But the, the other thing, which, <laughs> yeah, thanks, yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. Because like, you know, those who are doing it, are too busy to kind of like, you know, be able to do that for anyone else. But yeah, one of the other things, which is kind of like an interesting one that we're kind of expanding upon, not only kind of like, and probably the reason why we don't say we're a Pomodoro device, we're actually a time boxing device, 
is part of this kind of um, this learning about yourself and learning about the way that you work is we're kind of being able to find out for the first time something that hasn't been taught or hasn't been like, you know, heavily researched is why is it 25 minutes? Could it be longer? Should it be shorter? And that's one of the biggest things that's like uh, our research and our device will be able to do. And we're actually working together with a couple of university professors to hopefully be able to come to a conclusion to see if 25 minutes is the optimal time for people, or maybe it has to be different time periods for different people in different jobs. So that's a huge thing that's uh, on the horizon. That's very interesting because obviously, I mean, let's, let's, let's understand that the whole Pomodoro technique, it was very basic by default and no one has really dived in deeper if artists, if musicians, if coders could actually do 31 minutes, 32 minutes. When do we Absolutely. lose that, that concentration level? Fascinating. I want to talk a little bit before we finish about uh, what would you have done different if you can actually start this from, I mean, from, from zero? If you could go back in time, what do you think were the biggest challenges? I mean, launching this, it seems to me that you are building almost the perfect product, right? Um, and do you think that you have spent too much time on the features or what would you do different if you could actually um, change a few things? Yeah, first thing is there's no such thing as a perfect product. That's a fallacy <laughs> in 100%. every single case. Like, you know, um, kind of, we, we almost, it's really difficult to kind of like look back and say what you would have changed. I mean, like initially I, we made a lot of mistakes along the way, kind of like deciding, Hey, how do we approach this uh, problem? How do we approach it? Do we need to start off with a piece of hardware? Do we start off with a piece of software and like, you know, try and do it that way. A lot of the decisions we kind of like, you know, try to think of and say, Hey, if we did this differently, how would it happen? I think one of the biggest things and, something which kind of like didn't really realize at the start is kind of like equipping the team with all the heads and everybody that we required to kind of like get this done faster. Um, for the longest time period, it was just myself and my co-founder James who were um, trying to knock it all out and basically learning and hacking a lot of things along the way before I managed to get a couple of extra people on board um, to help like, you know, look after things like the design of the actual device and like, you know, help the running of the company. A lot of it comes down to kind of the resourcing. It's such a difficult thing to kind of like, you know, be a bootstrapped hardware company. I think that's one thing that lots of people kind of like don't realize is that um, hardware is inherently more expensive and has a longer development time. But if you had more money to be able to do it, you could get it done a lot faster. And I think like if we managed to find the right person who believed in the idea and who uh, believed in the team in the early days and was happy to invest maybe $100,000 to get it done, the 18 months could have easily been six months because we could have done it just with the extra resourcing. But every step along the way, kind of like saying no to investment, kind of like, you know, taking, we want to get to the next step to try and maximize the value of the company before taking investment kind of has slowed down the project in a lot of ways. But at this point in time, I think we're at that, that beautiful sweet point that like people are starting to understand what we're doing. People kind of like get it. And hopefully um, the next few months, we're actually going to be doing a, a fundraise. And um, that just means that with more money, we can go much faster and get things out in a much shorter time period. 
Wow, what a ride you have. I mean, technically, this is, this is so fascinating. I've been following you from the beginning, nagging you about creating more content because I think <laughs> you have a product that is, uh, uh, there's, there's some types of products that I, I usually deal with and some of them are like the normal ones and the impossible ones to hate. And I think yours is impossible to hate. It's a, it's a great story. There's no way that people are going to, I mean, hate you for, for coming up with this because, I mean, it's such an awesome idea. Where are we right now? Can people order this? When do you see this coming? I mean, for people to be able to, to buy it because I'm going to be one of the, of the next buyers for sure. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, one of the things I do have to say that people kind of like, like worry about is the fact that like with our product, lots of people go, oh, I don't want to be watched by my boss. But we, we totally aren't doing that. We're kind of giving people the individuals the amount of data that they want for themselves. And we're kind of like making sure that the bosses and stuff like that see nothing more than top line. That's one of the things I just need to make so super clear because we are not big brother and we're probably going to end up firing lots of companies if they ever ask us for that level of information. Because the truth is like culturally, you kind of want to, uh, you want to help people and you know, help people do it in the right way, not kind of like create a surveillance system. But yeah, so where we're at. Um, We've just uh, started shipping out our first 50 units to our limited pre-sale customers. Uh, we've got a lot of interest from people who wanted to buy it in uh, our continued pre-sale. We're looking to open that up again really shortly. So if you go to the website timechi.com, that's T-I-M-E-C-H-I.com, you can add yourself to the wait list and uh, we'll soon be making the announcement of uh, when and uh, where you can uh, get your next uh, time tree from and uh, take it from there. Uh, fantastic, and, and I, think, I think this is one of the products that is going to make a difference for people. I, I tend not to promote products, but because I have so much experience with productivity and, and Pomodoro, and I, I'm well aware of the, the weaknesses of Pomodoro itself, because usually yeah. you have an app on your phone but again, guess what? That's on your phone. And your phone is the center of distraction in your world. Exactly. So when I'm getting the phone, I'm looking at the phone, I'm thinking, ah, I should check Instagram or, or I wonder if I get a text message from my sister or what's going on. So obviously that's not going to be uh, the best way to do it. And what you have done is, is so awesome. And I can't wait to be able to do a case study uh, applying it because I still use the, it's interesting. I use the Pomodoro technique when I'm struggling. So I don't use it daily, yeah. but when a day is rough, it's almost like my drug, like, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this in a normal way. But if I use Pomodoro, hopefully things are going to get um, easier. So once again, if people want to pre-order this, I think your show will be up in a few weeks. Um, so where they can actually go ahead right now, I mean, tell, tell us the URL once again, please. Yep, it's timechi.com, T-I-M-E-C-H-I.com. And uh, we have a wait list there, so just join the wait list. And uh, it means that we'll send you an email as soon as... Uh, pre-orders come back online and keep you in touch and give you updates on uh, what's going on in the world of time cheap. Fantastic, mate. And I think as soon as people are going to use it, and I mean, I would love to hear from them. And maybe we can actually make a show later on. Um, I mean, uh, talking about, I mean, life of unproductive people before and after time she will be pretty ha. cool, man. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. Because like one, one of the things which we kind of like looking further and further, is like we always talk about like the Pomodoro method being kind of like, oh, it's not really set up and stuff. It was made back in the 80s. Like, you know, we didn't have smartphones. We didn't have, like, the internet as, like, prevalent. We didn't have, like, you know, everything trying to distract us. So, like, this kind of, like, brings it, brings productivity into the 21st century and, like, you know, makes everything a little bit 
makes it, it works more for our time, I think is the best way to say it. And if if everything works the way that we hope, then it's gonna it's gonna change the way that people kind of like view how they do work and how they manage their time, which is gonna be an absolutely huge thing. Yeah, I love it, man. And and hopefully people can actually, I mean, imp I mean, I think if people just improve a little bit, it's gonna make a massive difference. And I know you guys are gonna be doing that for, for so many people out there. Listen, I love your passion. I love your, I mean, tenacity. I mean, you work your ass off. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, well done. Well, man. I, work my time. I work my time efficiently thanks to fitting <laughs> our own product. Don't forget that. <laughs> you, you must be driving people insane with those references all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I sound like I'm like constantly in pitch mode. It's terrible. <laughs> you, you're, the, you're the guy that can never, 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 never be, I mean, be lazy because otherwise your friends will drive you crazy. Man, that's Absolutely. so awesome. Well, thank you so much for being in the show, mate. Uh, and I can't wait to see, I mean, I mean, what the future, I mean, waits for you guys. And yeah, I mean, thank you for being here. Thanks, Eve, for your time. Okay, see you, mate. Bye. No worries. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, guys. This was show number 16. And hopefully you enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoy interviewing Sean. You have to check more information about, I mean, the podcast and about the new website, go to startupfounders.com.au. I'm putting tons of energy and links and resources, and hopefully you're going to enjoy what I'm working there at startupfounders.com.au. And yeah, subscribe to the podcast, and I will see you on the next interview and podcast here on the show. Bye.